Vincent Werbeck's Derby. But um, for those of you who've been around Werbs for a while, you might have picked up or heard that neither Phil or Andy are lead and associate ministers like dogs. One of my very first Sunday mornings here, Phil even made that quite public. So I thought, being quite new to team, I wanted to readdress this balance. So this is, hopefully coming up, this is Barnaby. This is my puppy, I got the end of August, and he basically is just a teddy bear. And he generally brings me a lot of joy. Um, My Werbs team was smiling because he's always very excited when they arrive on a Thursday evening and a bit of a a distraction. But generally, he brings me a lot of joy. In those early days, some of you will know I broke my foot a week after getting him, so kind of being on crutches, toilet training, and liking a clean house didn't go too well together. So a few moments when the joy wasn't there. But overall, he's brought me a lot of joy. But I wonder for you, I wonder what gives you joy in life? When are those moments when you just feel full of the joy? Perhaps you're a coffee drinker. I'm not, so I know nothing about it. But people often seem very excited when they've got a good coffee in their hand. Perhaps it's being out in nature. Or it might be going shopping. Perhaps it's when you're with friends or family. Perhaps it's sitting in front of a log fire. For all of us, there'll be things which give us joy. But equally on the other side, I wonder what are those things which steal your joy, which rob you of the joy? My cast done a really good job of that in the last few weeks. So it was serviced a few weeks ago and uh, MOT'd, much more expensive than I was expecting. But I thought, that's okay, it's all done, dealt with now for another year. And then about two weeks later, I broke down two consecutive days. And the second time was I was entering back into Derby um, when all the floods were just there. So I entered Gridlock. I was stuck for two hours in Gridlock, about a mile from home, and then I broke down. So I had to abandon my car. I'd run out of phone battery. I actually been quite new to Derby. I actually didn't really know where I was. I had to go knock on someone's door and say, oh, you can just like, help me find my way home. Finally got home. It then took about four hours the next day to finally get retrieved. Got to the garage, got home. Was trying to keep a good attitude about it all, slightly failing, if I'm honest, inside. And then the garage ring, and there's this really sheepish voice. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, what? What are you sorry about? He's like, I'm so sorry. Someone's just reversed into your car and smashed it. I wasn't sure what to do. and I'm not sure what he was expecting, so I just decided that moment to laugh. But I wonder for you what kills your joy. Phil's laughing, so I think his car's also been killing some of his joy recently. Perhaps it's the thought of Christmas shopping, if you don't like shopping, or perhaps that your sports team lost yesterday. Or a bit more seriously, it might be actually health problems or a relationship which isn't going so well. It might be stresses at work or lack of work or financial worries. But for all of us, we'll have those things in our life which if we're not careful, they can come and they can steal the joy from us. But we're going to be thinking a bit more about joy this morning. And to conclude our series, as Phil said, we're finishing this series. We've been looking at this term on the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at just this one verse, and it's from Romans. It will come up on the screens, but it's Romans 14, verse 17. And it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of peace, righteousness, peace, and joy. But to put this verse into context, because if you take it out of context, it just sounds like we shouldn't eat and drink, and that obviously wouldn't be a good thing. 
The reason that Paul was saying this is because he was writing to some Christians. And the Christians at the time, they were arguing over what you were allowed to eat and drink. So some were saying you should only eat vegetables. Others were saying that you can eat meat. So this was kind of the hot potato at the time. It was the thing which was being most debated. And what Paul is saying to them, what he wants to say, is that the kingdom of God is not about, as he calls it, disputable matters. It's not about these things which divide us, which aren't always that important. He's saying it's often not about the things which actually the world would say is important, about who is right. But actually, instead, it's about righteousness, peace, and joy. And all three of these things seem like good things to have, don't they? I think most of us would say that we'd want more righteousness, peace, and joy in our lives. And actually, even if you're not a Christian, you might not be too sure about the righteousness bit. But most people, I think, in the world would love to experience peace and joy. So how do we do it? How do we get or have these three things? I think they're probably all connected in. And hopefully, as I speak, that will become clear how that happens. But we're just going to look at three quick things this morning. We're going to think about looking up, then we're going to think about changing within, and then looking out. So up, in, and then out. So firstly, we need to look up. Those last four words are really important. They're key to what we're talking about this morning. In the Holy Spirit. It's in the Holy Spirit that we find this righteousness. Actually, there's nothing we can do. It doesn't matter how hard you work, how much you strive, how much positive thinking you have. We can't make ourselves righteous. This righteousness is a gift. It's a gift from Jesus. Because he died on the cross for us, we can be made right with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is an amazing thing, isn't it? That is an amazing truth to know. But because of this gift of righteousness, it's not just like that we're made right with God and then it all ends there. Actually, because of our relationship, we want to live our lives a different way. We want to live our lives right with God. We want to do things his way, not our way. And that is much of what we've been thinking about in these past few weeks, that as we've looked at the kingdom of God, different people have kind of explained this in different ways. Just last week, um, Andy was talking to us, and he was talking about how we need to go from me, it's not just about us, to we. Earlier in the series, if you can think back a few more weeks, um, Phil spoke about the Beatitudes and talking about how when we live for Jesus, it often turns everything upside down. That actually it's a completely different way of living from what the world says. And then David, who's sitting down here, he spoke um, a few weeks ago about us growing this kingdom of God in our lives. And he was really encouraging. I found it really encouraging because he told us to be patient with ourselves, which often I need to, be, need to remember, because it's this gradual thing. But what he encouraged us to do was to be open to receiving the king, open to allowing Jesus to work in our lives. So we need to be people who look up to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then as we look up and as we allow Jesus to reign in our lives, then actually we change inside. We start to change. As we live a life which is led by the Spirit, as we do things the way of Jesus, then we're transformed and more of the kingdom of God starts to be in our lives. 
If you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard about the fruit of the Spirit. We find them in the book of Galatians. And there's simply the nine characteristics which um, kind of describe what we should be like, what our character should be like. And out of those nine, two of them are peace and joy, which we heard about in our verse today. This idea of having peace, of having joy in our lives. So firstly, peace. Peace is mentioned throughout the Bible. And it's so much more than just there being an absence of war, an absence of hostility. It's much more about the presence of God within our lives, about the reign of God. It's about us having peace with God. And as we have this peace with God, then it leads to us having peace with each other. And in this particular context, as we kind of think about what Paul is talking about, as you look at this whole passage where he's writing and talking to Christians, so at that time there isn't much peace between them, I think he's thinking more in this context about the peace that we're called to have amongst ourselves. Because unity is right at the heart of who we are. We we believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in this trinity, and this trinity is a united trinity. And we're called to follow that example. We're called there to be peace amongst us. And that doesn't mean that we're always going to agree on everything. Some of us will love dogs, some of us won't. And then there's also things to do with faith. And obviously there are some really crucial, there's some really important things But also there's often things which we get upset about that as Christians we end up arguing over which actually aren't that important. A bit like the Christians Paul was writing to. If we're not careful, we can let these divisions grow up within us. It's so easy, isn't it, to take offence? I know I can, particularly when I'm tired. I can be, you know, too sensitive. If someone says something and actually they don't really mean it, or they do something, or now the place where lots of people seem to take offence is on social media. You read something out of context, or someone has a different opinion, and actually we end up letting this offence grow within us. I was um, at home the other day, it'd been a long day, and you know that moment, it's like, oh, the day is over, and I put the fire on, and I was relaxing in front of it, obviously with Barnaby, my puppy, next to me. And there was this really annoying fly in the room. It seemed to appear just as I relaxed, and it kept on buzzing round and round, and it would go for a moment, it would settle on the curtain, I'd be like, it's gone. And then it would come back again. And I got a bit probably... um, ridiculously wound up by it. It really just drove me up the wall. And I kept feeling like, oh, I just want to relax. And I can't because you're there, you're in front of me, you're buzzing. I then was quite happy with it because it gave me a sermon illustration. But at that time, I was just irritated by it. And I was thinking, it's so often, actually, that is a picture of what I'm like when I'm irritated by something or when someone has frustrated me. And it's a bit like that fly, because it kind of keeps coming back into my mind. I keep replaying what they said or what they did. And I keep kind of saying to myself, yeah, no, you're allowed to be angry. That was really out of order. Or I let it grow bigger and bigger. And the problem is, for me, it then becomes a distraction. So actually, rather than probably thinking about things I should be thinking about, I've got this instead going round and round in my head. And so often, the danger I can find is then actually it becomes a distraction from really hearing what God says. 
It stops me being attentive to perhaps what God is saying to me, where the Spirit is leading me, because instead my head is over here being wound up. And what I've kind of learned over the years is that if I try not to think about something, I just think about it all the more. I'm sure we can all relate to that. When I'm trying not to think about chocolate, which is quite an ongoing thing in my life, I just think about it all the more. And so actually what is much better or what I found for myself is more helpful is to fill my mind with other thoughts, is to fill my mind with kind of good things, things which are honoring to God. My um, grandparents, they, both of them, they wrote their own funerals before they died. And there's a verse I'm going to share in a moment, which is what they had at the beginning of their funerals. And I've always loved this verse, and I guess been inspired by it, partly because they inspired me. But um, it says, actually, I'll just read to you now. This is a, they had a much more traditional version of it, but this is the message version, and I think it just puts it in a really great way. It says, I'd say you'll do best by filling your mind and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Let our mind be filled with these kind of things. Because there's always going to be things that we can disagree about. The basis of our unity is the person of Jesus. There is so much more which unites us because of Jesus. There's so much more which unites us than divides us. And the means of the unity is the Holy Spirit. Because we have the Holy Spirit, because of those four words again, it means that we can be united. And we know that we're united because of the love of Jesus flowing between us. Paul goes on to say in his passage, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let us be people who pursue this peace amongst ourselves, even when it's hard. So Paul talks about this kingdom being both peace and joy. And I mentioned part of things at the beginning. And I think it's really easy sometimes to actually confuse pleasure and joy. And many of the things which I talked about, they probably give us pleasure. Um, and other things, for example, if you go on a good holiday, you get pleasure from that. If you have a pay rise, that might give you pleasure. And um, perhaps a shopping trip. You probably noticed at the moment, all over the internet. It's all about Black Friday, isn't it? About getting these bargains, and people are looking for them to buy them to get pleasure. But so often these things, they just come and go. Oh, I don't know about you, and you've bought something, and I've wanted it for a long time. And to begin with, it's great, but actually the satisfaction never lasts quite as long as I expect it to, because then I see something else I want, or the next thing comes out. So joy isn't about these things which just give us pleasure on a temporary basis. But actually joy isn't also about putting on a happy face, which I think as Christians we can be really good at doing. That actually you could be really hurting inside, but you think I need to be happy. Joy and happiness also aren't the same things. Sometimes life is tough, sometimes it's painful. And it's okay then to be sad. It's okay then, it'd be a bit strange when things are really tough to feel happy all of the time. But joy is about something so much deeper. 
Or actually, should I say rather than something, someone? Joy is about Jesus. We find joy in Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. And this is the place where we can find this deep joy which goes way beyond our circumstances. This is the place where we can find a joy which doesn't come and go. I wonder if you've ever met someone who's really full of joy and you meet them and often my first thought is, life must be great with them. I wish I had their life. Obviously things are really easy. And then actually you chat to them for a bit and you hear their story and you discover that actually their life is fairly tough. That perhaps they're facing things right now or they've faced things in the past and actually their joy doesn't come from their circumstances. Their joy comes from the relationship they have with Jesus. And this peace and joy we're talking about this morning, this peace and joy which we get through Jesus, which comes from the gift of righteousness, is something which is deep within us. But the world can't offer that to us. That doesn't come from the world. That comes from knowing Jesus. And that means when the suffering comes, there is still joy and peace to be had. So how are these three words connected? I was at the beginning that these words are connected. I think it's a bit like a positive domino effect. That as we live right with God, we find peace with him. As we have peace with him, we have peace with one another. And then through that, we find joy. Because joy comes from unity. And disunity steals our joy. Joy comes from unity, but disunity steals our joy. And then thirdly, so firstly we've had um, looking up, secondly we've had within, and then thirdly we need to look out. We need to look out. This kingdom of God, this sense of us having peace and joy is not just all about us. It's not even just all about us in here. But there are many people outside these walls who need to know about the kingdom of God, who need to know about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. C.S. Lewis, many of you will know, he's a Christian. um, He's the guy who wrote things like the uh, Narnia series. And when he became a Christian, he was surprised by joy. He's written a book called Surprised by Joy. He thought that when he'd become a Christian, it would mean that all the joy would go. And whenever I hear that referred to, actually, it sits really uneasy with me because I think, like, do I show people don't yet know Jesus? Do they see joy within me? Do they see something within me which would attract them to coming to know Jesus? But also as well at the moment, our country is really divided. We referred to it in our prayers, didn't we? There is so much kind of backbiting and upset and bickering within politics. If you saw any of the live debates this week, I think one earlier in the week, they actually asked people to change the tone of the debate because they said, as a country, we are fed up. We are fed up with hearing all this arguing. We're fed up with hearing the things which divide us. People quickly lose trust, I think, in those political parties. And one of the reasons I feel uneasy, because so often, actually, I hear about what they don't stand for rather than what they do. And so often it feels it's much more about kind of putting each other down. And that leaves me with an uneasy feeling. It leaves me not knowing who I can trust. 
But actually, it's the same, I think, for us as Christians. If people know um, that there's backbiting or that within churches or across churches or across denominations that we're not getting on, that there's lots of disunity, actually, people who aren't yet part of the church, it puts them off becoming part of it. And um, interestingly, Jesus in John 17, he, there's this prayer where he's praying for his followers. So he's praying for you and I. And two of the main things he prayed for would be that we would have peace and that we would have joy. That there'd be unity between us and unity with other churches, with other denominations, and that we'd have joy. And why did he pray these things? So that we would have an easy life? No. He says he prayed them so that the world would believe, so that the world would believe in him. And it's all of our job here at St. Warburg's. All of us need to work together to make this a place which is full of peace and a place which is full of joy. I read a quote earlier this week which says, it takes both God's power and our effort to produce a loving Christian community. It's both God's power and our effort together which can make this different community. So as I finish this morning, I don't know about you, but perhaps as you've read the letter or um, you heard this morning about all that we believe God is calling us to do at Werberg's, actually it fills me with excitement. Um, I feel inspired by it, a little overwhelmed at times. But there's this real sense of excitement that actually we want to continue to grow, not because it's about numbers, but actually because there's so many people out there in Derby who are yet to know about Jesus. There are so many people who don't have hope in their lives, who don't have the peace, who don't have the joy. And we want to do all we can for people to come to discover Jesus. But as we seek to do all that we believe God is calling us to do as a church, we need to be this church which is full of peace, which is full of joy. So that actually when people come along, they are attracted to the people we are because of Jesus. So can we decide together as a church to not be a church which is going to get distracted by disputable things? Can we decide not to let upset and to be easily offended but instead to put our time, our effort, our thoughts into working together to grow this kingdom of God. But to do that, we actually, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own.